bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erica. And I'm Barbara. And we have a packed show for you today. Uh, But first of all, you all know the work we do is work. And in this time in our politics and culture, where women are still treated as a luxury to the patriarchal system and not the core of an equity system, we're asking you the bad and bitchy community and you're part of this community by listening to this podcast to support us in the work we do. And when I mean support, I mean contributing as little as five or $10 a month to our Patreon or more. We always accept more. (laughs) We'll take more. We'll take more. We want to bring you additional content like videos. Remember those videos we used to do when we would read out the comments to our articles? Well, we couldn't do one for the McLean's article because we're strapped. Anyway, your Patreon contributions will go towards that, making that a regular feature. We could buy equipment, hire a video editor, a woman, of course, and provide you with lots more for you to enjoy while you're wondering if you're the crazy one for noticing that the world out there is falling apart and nobody seems to be able to know what to do about it. So support us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash bad and bitchy. And guess what? We, always, we also write stuff. So this week, Bad and Bitchy um, did a, well, we have a regular column at Hill Times that we reproduce on our website, badandbitchy.com. And this week, we were on Ed the Sox podcast talking about the loss of critical thinking in our discourse, which we will put up in the show notes. Yes, that Ed the Sox. Finally, we're on social. All our contact info can be found in the description of the episode. All right, let's get into it. This week, Justin Trudeau unveiled a new cabinet of loyalists. <laughs> the, 40, the 43rd parliamentary session is about to begin with a new cabinet unveiled by newly reelected Justin Trudeau's liberal but minority government with 157 seats short of the 170 needed for a majority. Regional representation is limited given Trudeau's shutout in the West. The Liberals have 11 seats in B.C. and four in Manitoba, but none in Alberta or Saskatchewan. And even the NDP managed to win a seat in Alberta. Edmonton Strathcona, shout out. (laughs) This has left Trudeau to create a cabinet heavily focused on Upper Canada, with Ontario garnering the strongest regional representation with 17 cabinet ministers, followed by Quebec with 10. That MPs from Ontario and Quebec are taking up a lot of space around the cabinet table is no surprise, but it does mean that these two provinces have more clout in cabinet than they've enjoyed in decades. Now, I am reading from Anne Kingston's wonderful piece in McLean's 10 Subtle and Not-So-Subtle Signals from Justin Trudeau's New Cabinet, and I read everything Anne Kingston puts her pen to. So, there are 18 women and I think 18 men in cabinet. And while this sounds like gender, while this is gender parity and sounds like gender parity, let's take a look under the hood. So, shall we? We shall. Women. So, 18 women. 18 women, that's. Okay. Sure. (laughs) Great. They're there. Represent, like, it's 2019, I guess. Anyway, which is not like 2015. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little bit different landscape. Yeah. 
So women, uh, so we wrote in the Hill Times this week mm-hmm. about women, about gender parity uh, for the new cabinet. Shout out to my writing partner, Aaron. We, we talked about how women, even when it reaches parity, often get fluffy portfolios. And I feel like this cabinet is no different, except for Christian Freeland, who we'll talk about later, who has been basically crowned the liberal leader in waiting. So... As an example, Bardish Chegger, Minister of Diversity, Inclusion, and Youth. Mona Fortier, a new member of Cabinet, Minister of Middle Class Prosperity and Associate Minister of Finance. Mary Monsef, Minister of Women and Gender Equality and Rural Economic Development. Joyce Murray, Minister of Digital Government. Carla Qualthro, Minister of Employment, Workforce Development, and Disability Inclusion. Deb Schult a new member of cabinet, Minister of Seniors. What seems to be true is that the distribution of cabinet positions still puts women at the bottom of the portfolio food chain, while mostly white men continue to occupy the highly coveted and highly important positions. Mm-hmm. I think for me, this was most evident. Like, I understand that Christopher Freeland was moved to a new cabinet position as deputy prime minister, and like that was a thing, but just thinking of my personal interest and what I follow mostly like just on the international stage, Canada is no longer represented by a woman. And often in those rooms, there are not a lot of women sitting there. In what position are you talking about? As minister of foreign affairs. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So when Canada was represented abroad until this week, it was minister Freeland who was at the table if the prime minister wasn't there and was often the one, she was the face of Canada outside of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see what those dynamics look like now with a new uh, minister of foreign affairs. But for me, it's kind of like, it's a bit of a like, Oh, I wish it was a woman that was again, representing Canada globally and just pushing a lot of the policy that Canada wants to push. But it's a little personal. No, we have a white guy, a lawyer too. So that's going to be interesting another lawyer like i i just don't buy that lawyers are like should be politicians it's it's an interesting yeah like it, i know it that's shouldn't be the, a straight line it shouldn't be a straight line like it shouldn't be just assumed mm-hmm. you know what i mean and especially in foreign affairs i think he is he practiced law international law so i get why okay fair he, okay he does have like international law experience and but i haven't like i Again, because it's all new, like there isn't a lot Wouldn't of information around their if background. If we got like an act, like someone who had a background including activism in that role, yeah, but that's not going to happen. Activists don't don't make good ministers. Say that again. Activists don't make good ministers. Example. Well, like it's more. I didn't you, say activists. I said activist background. Activist background, fair. But I think it's also a lot of times you have a mandate letter and you mm-hmm. have to follow it to the letter. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it just doesn't work. <laughs> uh, I got what you're, I got where you were going with that. But it's, it's true, but it's like, um, what's his name? The new minister. There's one of the people who's on cabinet now, who's a former environmental activist. Yeah. And he's not environment minister. They didn't not give him. Uh, it's no, what's it? Uh, Gibo. He's Stephen Gibo. He did not get into that portfolio, even though he would have been perfect for it, because he's been very critical of things that he would have been asked as a minister to pursue. And I don't think he could have done it in good faith. Yeah, I, you know, and that just goes to show the 
the sacrifices of conscience. Yeah. Conscience one must make to enter into politics. And I don't think that's highlighted enough. No. And if you get anywhere, you've already pretty much sacrificed your conscience. Well, I, I, in the system, yes. Yeah. I think in the current, the way our parties work right now, you have to make compromises about your beliefs to get far ahead in politics. And that's a problem. And that's a problem. It it changes the way we understand accountability and our relationship to our member, like our represent direct representatives. It also keeps you out of an evolving conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I'm seeing is one of the problems with being tone deaf is yeah. that, mm-hmm. is that, is that you are you got your learning stopped in like 2000 mm-hmm. and we've we have a whole new generation and you know the thinking around certain um social issues mm-hmm. has evolved yeah absolutely and and it's it's and it's timely mm-hmm. so uh but going back just i i find it interesting too that they didn't put an environmentalist in the environment <laughs> position he um, would have been great. I think Stephen Gibble would have been a really interesting environmental minister of the environment. But he would have been in a very sticky position in terms of like his own beliefs. And then in terms of his relationship with the provinces would have been a little bit more difficult. Um, and there's that aspect as well. And we can't undermine it. But yeah. So I guess, you know, my thing is... I think we've had, uh, I don't think we've had a, fi- a female ca- um, finance minister. Ever? Ever. Uh, I'm sure somebody will correct me. If, yeah, if not, but. We haven't. Um, I think, as it was pointed out to me, uh, Kim Campbell, I believe, was the minister for defense briefly. Okay. But I'm sure she was the only one. So defense, finance, Foreign affairs is usually by a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're Christ- ba- it's back. To Christian Freeland was is, the exception. Was the exception and not the rule. And yeah, and, and that's why it was so important on the international stage when right. like they would have G seven meetings. Right, those pictures. Yeah, are like telling. Yeah, it's men, 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 and now we're and a lot of times talking about women's men. Yeah, talking about women's health around the globe. Exactly. So, I don't know. I think there's. I think, of course, Mariam Monsef being like uh, minister for women and gender equality, um, is probably going to take on some of that at some point. And they're yeah, gonna, but, but I'm sorry. <sighs> Let me just say this. And about also, Mar- Karina Gould is international development. So, oh, she is. Okay. So there is like, I think there's some pieces of that that's gonna, they're going to be. Yeah, delegated. but they're still secondary to exactly. a man. Right? That's the issue. That's the issue. And when I talked about more, when I mentioned more Mona Fortier mm-hmm. being the associate minister of mm-hmm. finance, finance, yeah, I was like, oh, she's second to that idiot, Bill <laughs> Morneau. Okay, who retains? I'll get to him soon. Anyway, Mona, and they set up this Mona Fortier for this middle class prosperity nonsense, which I'll get to too. But I just want to really cap off the women's angle here mm-hmm. and just say that. This is horseshit. Yeah. And it really is. Yeah. Uh, gen- the distribution of cab. See, average is not the only thing you look at. Distribution no, matters. Okay. That's the thing. And it's, that's where we are talking about intersectional lenses. Right. And that's the important of, importance of them. Right. 
Because I'm looking at cabinet and I'm like, if I'm a black kid growing up in Alberta, I don't see anything there for me. Nope. Anyway, so I know some people will say, hey, but there's only so many he could, you know, run or whatever. I don't know. People say all sorts of shit. Uh, but moving on, I want to keep this in mind, by the way, about, yeah, these, about the know. distribution. Well, so, we'll come back to it. I, I have some feelings about these new yeah. cabinet positions. Okay. So before we get to new cabinet positions, <laughs> let's get to the white men who are terrible. Okay. But white men always fail up, especially in Justin Trudeau's orbit. Um, Pablo Rodriguez, my favorite minister. You love this guy. I love him. Leader of the government in the House of Commons was a disaster as heritage minister, which is, with his refusal to study systemic racism as part of anti-racism consultations and his weird stance on a Netflix tax. This guy came in with like, we're going to make sure Netflix pays his fair share. And I'm like, I hope you don't think you're going to tax my fucking Netflix. Like, give me some joy in life. Did he explain why he had that stance? No. Hmm. No. Is it maybe he? Was it's the um. It's the cultural. It's it, the, yeah. I was going to say Canadian content and cultural. Yeah, I think whatever, it, whatever. I think that's it. And especially he's a um, MP from Quebec. Yeah. And Quebec is very protective of its media and the output of media and making sure they maintain language uh, mm-hmm. and culture. Mm-hmm. And I think he was coming at it from that aspect, but I, not. Yeah. Yeah. Contextualizing it across the country. Exactly. That's he doesn't fucking contextualize shit. I don't know who writes these speaking notes for these people, but it lacks nuance and context and definitely understanding. Anyway, let me <laughs> let me just say. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I think beyond looking at cabinet, I think the next layer to look at is who's surrounding these people. Yeah. Who are the staffers? And I can guess I can I can guarantee the staffers are white. Yeah, it's they're white. A lot of the decisions point to that, I think. And that's why they have no... Con- they're white and they're from uh, Upper Canada. Mm-hmm. And that's why. Uh, and to be honest, the language barrier is part of the reason. Mm-hmm. Nobody will put... Nobody will say it. But the insistence on French means that you narrow the pool of people that you um, that you can pull from. Yeah. And that narrowness usually occurs in Ontario-Quebec corridor. Yeah. But I don't think that's, I think some staffers get exceptions, right? For that, for language. Well, that's another thing. Who gets an exception and why? Because that's the question. But I'm just saying, I'm not saying, and for before those lose their shit at me, I'm not saying that language, the language component isn't important. What I'm saying is the effects are that that is what you get for staffers. It's narrowing, but at the same time, like as a very like, Oh, like I'm very francophone in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> no idea. Um, I think even within the pool that exists, they're not necessarily appealing to all of the people that they could appeal to. Yes. That's the thing too. Exactly. I think it goes beyond that. I think there yeah. is, and again, this comes back to talking about like how our political system function. It's a very exclusionary. It's like an exclusive cu- club. If you don't know the language, that's basically Canada. It's what it's one big set of high school clubs that are exclusionary. Exactly. And it's like if you didn't go to the right school, if you didn't know the right person, then you're not let into the circle. And if you're not let into the circle, it's is very, very, very difficult to 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 exact change in this country. Yeah, because I don't see many francophones of color as staffers. No. And that's the thing. Another 
example if we're gonna stick with like quebec I'm, media yeah quebec, quebec media is like a powerhouse yeah honestly quebec media is white supremacy anyway Karen. but some <laughs> production value wise some of the best stuff canada is doing oh yeah production value oh, yeah. wise like they do really interesting stuff they've managed to like do the little i've seen being in ottawa of course but like they have really good production value they do. but mm-hmm. but no real diversity yeah uh, they just had so there's this reality show this is completely off topic there's this new reality show um, and they just had their first trans candidate on the reality show and it's a dating reality show too so that oh was really good interesting Lord. oh god oh god but Shoot the out. racial diversity on it is still nil. shit yeah still shit and then and then once the racial diversity is shit you get these you get things like i'm into asian girls that's what you get but the thing (laughs) is like it's been so the show has been restarted it was like a really popular show in the early aughts and then kind of died down and then it's been restarted over the past three years did you say the early aughts yeah like 2000s yeah oh my god that's awesome (laughs) i like that the early aughts okay um i'm so foreign it's funny this show since it's restarted one of the biggest criticisms is a they're not a lot of people of color and when they do stay in the competition they're usually men not women yeah and there's been a really big conversation especially this year because in the first like batch of like it's kind of like a love island but like quebec style and mm-hmm. less by the way love island britain is the, love island uk is the shit love okay, island Harry. uk is a shit and i will fight anyone who doesn't like that show. i think well they had their first black winner i know amber gill amber i was here for amber amber all the amazing. time Ovi, okay amazing i love Ovi. okay they might be dating oh <gasps> Shut up! <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited about this. Oh my god! Okay, totally I'm off topic. So excited. We will we will talk about Love Island yeah. off air. It's great. Yeah, hit me up if you want to talk about Love Island. Me too. If y'all uh, want to talk about Love Island UK, hit me up. We'll okay. we'll start a group chat. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And okay. Love Island winter is starting in January. <gasps> oh yeah. Uh, we will From talk. the UK because the, yeah, the US UK. one is trash. No, I didn't finish the oh, US one. No, okay. the UK version okay. is having a winter version because like they know it's gonna make them money. Right. But it's also shit because the first black winner only had six months to monetize her shit. But totally completely separate. We yeah. were talking about media. So there is a pronounced lack of diversity when it comes to Quebec media itself as well. And that's been a growing conversation in terms of the, there's a really big population of French speakers in this country. that are just not white. Yeah. And they need to be included in that cultural conversation. Yeah. But when it comes to, so what would be really interesting is once we have all these cabinet ministers, I want to see who their chief of staffs are. Well, that's the interesting thing. And that's something that we haven't gotten to yet. Mm -hmm. So how many are women? How many women of color? What about disability representation? Mm -hmm. There's so many, so many, so many layers. layers. Anyway, let me go back to the white men who fail up. Second, my second favorite. Guess who? Seamus O'Regan. Yeah. Seamus. Never met a foot he didn't stick into his mouth. O'Regan. Who was an such intense nicknames for these folks? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! When sometimes I wonder why he why they let him speak, like why does he open his mouth? Didn't he say something weird already? Yo, hold okay. on, hold I'm on. Listening. We had referenced in a in an early in a past episode about him looking out the window. Uh, it was it had to do with um, with clean drinking water mm-hmm. on reserve, and he yeah. was going to visit the reserve. 
a reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know which one. Um, off the top of my head. And he said something about looking out the window. I see blah, blah, all these clouds. Some bullshit. And I'm just like, he made it all about himself. This is what I do not like about this man. Everything is about him. He really? centers himself all the time. But mm-hmm. listen, he was an epic fail at Veterans Affairs. Yeah. Okay. So now at Indigenous Affairs or Indigenous Service, well, I, don't, I don't even know which one because they split them. Mm-hmm. He wasn't great either. So that was his cock up then. But he once compared his leaving journalism to how members of the Canadian military feel as they take off their uniforms for the last time. Mother, what? Is he just someone who's clumsy? I think, you know what I think it is? I think that he has a very narrow world. I think he has since he used to be in media. He used to be Mm -hmm. uh, an anchor on CTV. Oh. On CTV News. Yeah. And I feel like because when you're in media, like it's very white. Mm -hmm. Um, People like people talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, How you can how you understand a story is very narrow. Yeah. And especially for anchors, because anchors like the people who really do the background work are the are the producers and and the producers. Yeah. They're the ones who do the background work and talk to people and so on and so forth. The mm-hmm. anchor is just basically the face. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they don't know anything. No, but they're not the specialists. But they're not the specialists on the issue. They mm-hmm. just have to understand it at a, a very, very high level. High level, mm-hmm. and then you know, and be able to explain it to Canadian to the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's amazing how he gets shuffled from failure to failure to failure. He should have been demoted. He's he's he hasn't done anything. Is he okay? And this is me trying to understand why, after all of these things, he's still in place. Is he like someone who's particularly popular facing, like public wise? Are people like we I love don't Seamus? I don't think we love so. Seamus. Sorry, I don't think so. Reference. He gets dragged enough. <laughs> so, so why is he there? White men fail. Up. He's probably loyal. Yeah, but there's. You also have to like be savvy if he's not in any way. Oh, but wait! Oh, I'm not more. done. There's more. Speaking of unsavvy, Bill Morneau. Bill Morneau, who we even wonder if he's still alive. Okay, we're gonna have to start a list of your nicknames <laughs> for these people, and you're gonna have to like. Update I have it. thoughts. <laughs> you have feelings about. These I men. do. I have feelings about these men because they're terrible at their job, yeah. and only white men can be ta- terrible at their job and fail up. Anyway. <laughs> so so we wonder if he's still alive since they muzzled him for good reason from trans mountain to the bungling of communications surrounding the f- small business tax we're just hoping that Morneau sticks to the script he's someone who needs to stick to 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 platitudes and speaking points because anyhow he has a thought in his head he needs to really re he needs to really do an assessment an internal assessment as to whether that thought should be pu- should be like shared shared Okay, because oh, that's not all. Listen, yeah, he was in the center of a storm of negative press for not properly disclosing ownership of a villain, France. Okay, was it in the south of France? Do we know? Oh, yeah, probably. Okay, I just that's true because I guess you could have it in wine country. Okay, 
Or it could be in wine country. I don't know. It could know. be a solid investment. <laughs> and for the revelation that he had not put his business assets into a blind trust after being elected and named into cabinet Ooh, in 2015, which is an ethics violation. Yeah, and as Minister of Finance, that's really bad. In fact, we have two ethics no three if you include the prime minister ethics violators in cabinet because dominic leblanc is back (sighs) yeah okay all right but i'll leave it there yeah just just to quickly yeah it's almost like a part of me wants to be like oh they're just clumsy they don't have any media training they've been doing this enough if like these enough who are they getting media training from i don't know because i want to know who the fuck who I don't know. I think there should be like, there should be mandatory media training for these people. How yeah. not to put? How not to stick your foot in your mouth? Well, there should be mandatory media training. I think for all MPs because yeah. eventually you're going to have at some point or another an interaction and with non-profit media. and executive non- directors too. That too, but that's a whole other bag of really bad toxic cookies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh uh, I know that. <laughs> but there. I think even in the rollout of this cabinet has been, it's just been, it feels very clumsy. Yeah, it does. It doesn't feel Even the hugs and the handshakes were weird. It was very, the body language seemed off. And like, it just seems like there's no like sense of like, oh, this is going to go well. There's a lot of apprehension around it. And like, it just needed to be like, you know what? Like, let's rally. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. don't seem, they don't seem like they're ready to go into work. I think and there's do their thing. I'm not saying apprehension. I yeah, there's apprehension. Now I'm not saying that they don't want to work. That's no, not no, what no, I'm no, saying. No, no. But there's apprehend. There's some, like this is a cabinet that is, is walking gingerly, yeah, and not necessarily in the same direction. Mm-hmm. That's what I found. Fa- that's that's actually, the impression I that's got. That's actually really interesting because it, when they I watched a bit of it. Um, some folks when they were coming in were just like, you know, like cheers. And it was interesting to see who was cheering for who and who was like making sure to show support for whom. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as I know, like a big thing about like running um, the behind the scenes of political parties is display of unity. I think there needs to be a more like there needs to be there's a lot of internal stuff that needs to be fucking figured out and that needs to be done behind closed doors. But they also need to talk about how they present themselves outside. And like, I've done that with like small teams I work with. And I'm like, it's disappointing and kind of sad that they haven't done, figured out how to do that as a party that has like the resources that they have and the experience that they have. Well, I hope the experience that they have within like their operation. I agree. So let's go back to Christian Freeland. Let's talk about it. The Christian Freeland conundrum coined by Anne Kingston in her McLean's piece this week. Trudeau kept the gender balanced cabinet. Traditional power portfolios like finance, defense and justice remained held by men with the addition of a male foreign affairs minister, which we just talked about. Mm -hmm. The spanners is Freeland, whose role as deputy MP indicates significant power is Trudeau's proxy. Well, we all know she's the leader in waiting, right? Mm -hmm. Supposedly. But so is Paul Martin. And we know what happened there. (laughs) But history also indicates that being a deputy MP, a title created by Pierre Elliott Trudeau in 1977 to recognize his long-serving minister, Alan McEwen, 
isn't isn't a know. route to the top. So Kingston goes on to muse exactly what Trudeau is signaling in his appointment of foreign former foreign minister of foreign affairs, Christian Freeland, as deputy prime minister and minister of intergovernmental affairs tasked with preparing Western alienation has become a national litmus test. Is it a major promotion or has Freeland been sidelined with an impossible mission destined to fail? And I think that's a really good question because um, that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago, we talked about it. If you've been a long term bad and bitchy listener, it's amazing the bad and bitchy archives I have in my head. <laughs> you will remember that we talked about the glass cliff. Yeah. So the glass cliff is when... Oh, I remember this episode, actually. What? Yeah. yeah. The glass cliff is when, basically when a white man fucks up, a woman or a person of color is brought in to clean it up and to grow the company. Mm-hmm. So their task is, first of all, greater than their predecessor, and in some cases, they're set up to fail. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if I just I don't know who we don't know who Trudeau is. So I'm just wondering if he's kind of setting up a political rival to fail. And especially a strong woman, because we all we've all seen how, how Trudeau treats strong women. Yeah. Who I, aren't obedient. I don't know. I think Christian Freeland's I think it was a smart political move for her. I think she has made a name for herself on the international stage and as Canada's like face outside of Canada. But she, I think she eventually needed to pivot back into can like create more of a presence within the country. Um, if she has ambitions, which I think she does of leadership. Fair. I think that was a very necessary move. And I think as an individual, that makes sense for her. Right now, is this a poison pill? Probably. I think it's... Western alienation. Yeah. Calling it Western alienation already is just really bizarre. I think there's a lot of weight being put on her as an individual to... It's because she's from like Peace River or something. But it's also... But it's also gendered because it's very much like, you're a woman, you'll be the peacekeeper and Ah, the peacemaker. You're the nurturer, so you can bring people together. Like people will... Yeah, okay. Will take to you more softly, yeah. Which is like oh, and I don't think Christian Freeland's image is that soft either. No, I don't think soft. But I also don't know what her relationship to the West is and Western leaders. Neither do I. I. Think she's pretty neutral, which is actually an advantage in this like weird position that they've put her because she's been so much like a outside force. Outside force that having bring her in is pretty interesting, actually. Yeah. But I also like recognize that there's a gendered lens there Mm -hmm. and i don't know how that's gonna like it's that weird like oh women are peacemakers yeah there's like that angle yeah and how that looks in leadership Mm -hmm. if she's successful great yeah like it's gonna be a really positive boost what does success look like thing what does success look like is it uh getting the premiers to kind of like her i don't understand what what okay so first of all this whole western alienation thing i'm like it's it ebbs and flows it has ebbed and flowed throughout Mm -hmm. canada's history basically and you know uh, this idea of okay first of all what i know is that the liberal party does not understand canada beyond like timmins ontario (laughs) like 
west of that they don't get it they yeah. literally do not okay maybe maybe parts of bc but most of bc is basically alberta yeah <laughs> so this is something i, I had to like be ex- we talked about yeah this, we, but, we've talked about this. okay but like as someone who is like learning about canadian politics in different provinces for me like bc was had this association with like vancouver and victoria and very progressive centers okay. yeah and Kelowna and kamloops and you know the peach or the then, uh, the o- okanagan valley area. yeah but then yeah. outside of that it's a very conservative leaning yep. place yep and that's not talked about enough in terms of BC. Well, whenever I meet people from BC, I always ask which part Where of BC from? they're from. Because yeah. I know. I yeah. know Fernie, BC is basically Alberta. <laughs> Never heard so, of that place before, well, but that's it's wonderful. Just, it's <laughs> Good to know. We're learning tonight. Okay. <laughs> it's all about learning So, here. yes. But, you know, I, I don't know, I guess, is I don't have an answer for that. No. And I guess we'll just we'll just watch how it unfolds. It's but you're right about her needing to be and I, more I didn't present. I didn't think about this, but mm-hmm. her needing to make an interior name for herself. Yeah, yeah. she's made a, like outside of Canada very. She's made a name for herself, mm-hmm. but now inside Canada, she has to. She has that recognition of like, oh, when we send her outside, people listen to her and do things, and mm. people get proud propping up this whole like um u.s canada mexico thing nafta nafta or which is now USMCA? yeah whatever it's called now what mc oh fuck it's yeah it's nafta um nafta 2.0 oh i hate 2.02 because that's so early knots you see how we brought it back, Barbara? You, you brought it back. You brought it back. I pre- I, I like loops. Um, but no, she's going to be definitely someone I'm going to be like watching closely in terms of like making a name for herself in Canadian in the Canadian space. It's interesting that they've chosen to name it Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Intergovernmental Affairs tasked with repairing Western alienation. Like that's a very the fact that it's highlighted is interesting, mm-hmm. but we'll see. And, but it's uh, for me i was like oh but isn't she like in ontario they're like yes but she was born in alberta so that works i know they <laughs> oh my god but I, she doesn't represent um, a yeah, riding in alberta so it's it's i don't know she like, like i too i feel like uh, okay whatever it was, it was a it was a funny whatever okay. but no she'll she'll be in she'll be an interesting one to watch i think she's gonna be under a microscope in a lot of ways um, it's going to be interesting to see how the deputization works. Her dynamic with Trudeau when they're working on internal affairs is going to be interesting. And then we'll see how that plays out for leadership afterwards because that's we're going to be in an election pretty soon. Like with a minority government, it's going to happen sooner than we think. Um, and how that's going to play out. And just in case mm-hmm. we don't know, guess what? Yeah. Guess what? What? We have... The Minister of Middle Class Prosperity to look to. To be managed by Ottawa newly elected Ottawa Vanier MP Mona Fortier. Apparently this is not the Liberals trolling Canadians, although it does feel like a troll. It's just really dumb. I, what I, does it mean? Apparently, on the current, <laughs> mm-hmm. Fortier, who is unable to define it on the current on Friday, offering only, quote, where people can afford their way of life and send their kids to play hockey, unquote. And I nearly 
through my computer through the window with this hockey reference especially on the heels of don cherry are you kidding me right now are you stupid and this is the thing mona forte's riding is ground zero for all of the social issues we talk about and that's what she came up with kids who can play hockey by the way i'm sure that's why she was chosen for middle class prosperity why because because she's from vanier you really think they, yeah they yeah really yeah because but, but ottawa vanier has some of the richest people in the city that live there but that's my point it's that is that that riding is really really like ground zero of inequality yeah that's what i'm saying so they thought that was a good idea to put her that doesn't track i'm just saying in their minds they probably connected because they call it quote concern for quote the middle class and those wanting to join it end quote okay that does not track at all because okay if we look at look, Ottawa, i didn't make this up man. i know no 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 no. and I, no you go it, ahead it doesn't track because one ottawa vanier is i think one of the writings with the highest inequality that's if, what I'm in saying. the province if not the country mm-hmm. it's wild i know you walk from one end of the I street know. and to the other and it's not the same place yeah i know so it yeah. doesn't track that they would think that that make that if they did i i ottawa want. vanier is actually a really interesting uh a um place right uh, now riding yeah. because because of that inequality because of the immigrant uh, high immigrant high immigrant franco yeah, yeah. Uh, historical franco like center of ottawa yeah um but like they but have it has, new edinburgh in but there. The, yeah they like, have so for those who don't know new edinburgh this is in ottawa new edinburgh and um new edinburgh and what's that other rockcliffe 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 is basically where the rich people live there are mansions there yeah like real mansions real like mansions in mansions. rockcliffe private schools the whole deal it's basically like some gated community in america like that's what it is and those are all those two realities are those two that juxtaposition is in one riding so that's the background of the riding that we're talking about yeah Yeah. and it's important to kind of understand why like my whole flabbergasted like that doesn't track i know there's yeah. In if we're looking at their definition of middle class, there is no middle class in her writing. Isn't that the big irony That's, of this whole fuck putting more Mona Fortier in this position? Is that there's like literally no middle class in Ottawa in of, in, in Ottawa Vanier of Rockland? all of the writings in this city. Yeah, that is the one writing where it's like you either make a lot of money or you don't make any money to live in there to live there. Sorry. It, like it's it just doesn't track but the bigger piece i think here is they kind of i don't know if this is like because again i well it can't be because they're clumsy unless they're all clumsy because then if they're all clumsy then it's bad but there's a real communications problem there again they this le- liberal government is terrible at communications i didn't say justin trudeau was no. for his personal brand what i'm saying is and i mentioned the small business tax trans mountain was another communications blunder mm-hmm. why didn't they just say we're trying to save jobs in alberta done yeah that's it boom who's gonna say no if had they said that by yeah. the way we might have had a rachel notley government Probably. Like, that's how important oh, it was. Did you see what she did in 
and uh, the legislature this week. I did see a piece of it, but tell people. I don't know all the details. I saw it quickly. Rachel but Notley is the is who uh, Jason Kenney defeated mm-hmm. for to become premier of Alberta. She's a ND, she's, she's a NDP. NDP. Yeah. And I think, what were they reading in the House? I think they were reading a bill or something, and yeah. she protested and was basically kicked off the floor of the House and was royally right on. amazing. It I'm here beautiful. for these protests. I was very much like, you know what? I didn't know she had it in her. Uh, me neither. But you know what? Times When times are tough, people show up. Well, some people, some people. show up. Others do not. Yeah. But coming back to this whole Fortier thing, I, it's who briefs them? I don't know. Like... Someone should have had like, yo, these are your talking points. These are the things you should be well, saying. Well, we go back, excuse me, but we go back to the original port of chief of staff and staffers. Yeah. Those people who who break down speaking points. Those people who are supposed to look at issues from a myriad of, of angles. Mm-hmm. These are the people writing the speaking points for these people. And they are not racialized people. Yeah. They're mostly men. Yeah. And this is why you get, I think that's the, I think that's a huge problem. Yeah. Because what Trudeau, Trudeau is trying to Obamify himself, right? Into the annals of history, basically, Mm -hmm. right? So in order to do that, you better, it's different when a black man does it. I'm sorry. Okay. But the, the thing about it is he's using all these words. He's doing all these things. He's blah, 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 blah. And they cannot put the concepts together. They cannot think through what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is a huge problem. If you can't think through exactly what you're saying, then why are you even... Then you end up like O'Regan or Morneau or Rodriguez. That's my point. I... This is... This whole... I, it's just like I... Girl, me, just, I ain't done, though. Hold on. Go for it. Okay. So... Justin Trudeau doesn't give a shit about black people <laughs> in his post-blackface cabinet. So this is a public service announcement for those who didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> so Ahmed Hussein? Hussein. Hussein. Minister of Families, Children, and Social Development is the only black face in cabinet, unless you count Trudeau in blackface. After weaponizing his white tears to beg for forgiveness with black leaders, Trudeau promptly turned around and spit in our faces. Fewer than 20 black Canadians had been nominated by Team Trudeau, including a handful of liberal MPs who were seeking re-election, said Velma Morgan, the chair of Operation Black Vote Canada. So Operation Black Vote Canada is a not-for-profit multi-partisan organization organization that aims to get more black people elected at all levels of government no matter which party i counted the number of liberal mps elected four four black out of 158 seven 57 well i guess it's yeah 50 that's dismal how many of those were women if you know off the top of your head i don't i don't i don't there is an i'm counting heidi fry okay yeah who's you know trini yeah so i'll I'll count it no she's black so that is she's the only one that's dismal she's the only one that's the other so four yeah that but that's dismal like and it's not for a lack of political talent within the black community because that no it is not that ain't it the black community has a lot of political talent Mm -hmm. but 
you know, as usual, the ND, uh, the NDP did, I think, ran, I think, I think there are 11 or 11 to 15 new black MPs for the NDP, I want to say. 11? Or they ran 11. They ran 11. They ran 11. But they did not win, 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 win. Sorry. Uh, Win 11. I think they did win a few. One of the new black MPs that I found really interesting is the MP for Hamilton. Matthew Green. He's awesome. I'm, I, I do like Matthew Green. I have a political crush. Like, it's (laughs) amazing. Like, he's really cool. And like, he did the whole, No, he, he, like, I've, like, he, he talks the talk. Yes, but he walks the walk. I know. Plus, he also followed me back on Twitter. So I was like, (laughs) shout out to Matthew Green. (laughs) No, but he did like the whole, like, making it a little bit more transparent and how, like, the process of being a new MP thing. So he kind of picked up on, like, that Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. He's, he's one to watch. Yeah, no, he's definitely a very interesting, like, new MP. I think if he can be, if he can hold his own yeah i think that he could become like to me he has the makings of become becoming like a top tier politician i i already think the only thing he doesn't have is the visibility yeah I but think he has that's everything growing else. though like that's changing well, of course yeah it's changing and yeah. like i think the more he's going to be active and like once he is like, because he's an activist he's a, and that's the thing and he's really connected and very grassroots like yeah oriented yes and he's done a really neat job of like connecting with climate change activists and like doing all of these small things and signed on to because the right pieces because he's strategic and smart and like I think a lot of times when we talk about activists, people think it's just like, oh, they just have a lot of feelings and they just like want to tell us about their feelings. No, a lot of activists are very strategic thinkers, very good at planning, very good at communications, outreach, and outreach, organizing, and organizing, which and is exactly what you need in politics. Exactly. So how these how these skills are not recognized in activists is beyond me. Yeah, but it's also a lot of those skills aren't able to be. Um, in a way monetized Mm -hmm. and like i know from doing a lot of Mm -hmm. like work in those circles like it's work that happens behind the curtain Mm -hmm. and is not often given the same value as like because it's work usually done by women exactly because we talked about organizing and women before recently Mm -hmm. yeah okay so trudeau also punked indigenous people with this cabinet meaning they have i think zero representation or no there's no, one there's one mp for northern territories vandal yeah minister of northern affairs sorry and, and he's he a metis uh mp from winnipeg okay mm-hmm. but he's the lone indigenous voice first nation voice at the table so there's yeah. one voice for black people there's one voice for indigenous folks and first nations folks sorry um that's not sufficient there's one voice for no there there more there's a more uh diverse asian representation yeah actually it is pretty so low. i guess they didn't behave <laughs> <laughs> but enter jody wilson raybold whose ghost i'm sure is part of the reason that that trudeau cabinet was not so spunky yeah because she re- she won her seat she did as an independent as an independent i also want to say that the ethics commissioner proved her right yep 
So I just want to put that out there. She's definitely going to be another person. I think she's going to be one to watch. Yeah. Um, There's a new 19 year old MP uh, from the NDP. And she's really good. Oh, the Inuit. Yeah. uh, Yes. She is. Oh, what is her name? I, I, I mentioned her in a piece and I forgot. She's amazing. Yeah. She is another activist. Exactly. Isn't Isn't that she a climate activist? Yes, she is a climate activist. So she's she's a really interesting person to watch as well. I think, um, not today because we didn't prepare it, but I think at some point we should have like, well, for the fifth, for the throne speech, we should have like a list of MPs to watch. And like, why? We'll make a list. We'll make a list and we'll share it. Yeah. Because I think there's some really, like as much as this cabinet is underwhelming to say the least and mm-hmm. like not necessarily there's some bright spots there's some really interesting I, bright spots and people who are going to when we make, make that list too i yeah. also want to mention that manitoba's um legislative assembly mm-hmm. tell them they they elected three black, black. mps yep uh, I think they're all women or two women two women and one one, guy. one okay one and is a conservative ndp two ndp i think y- or I don't one something like that. Or two conservatives and one NDP. No, I think it's two NDP. Two NDP, one conservative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, that's good. that's interesting. I I think it's it's wise to mm-hmm. watch what's happening yeah. in Manitoba. I think yeah. it's also wise to just like the. I think provincial legislatures are really interesting right now. I think what's happening in Quebec with uh, Quebec Solidaire is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And they're having a, they're even having a conversation. And Alberta will have a protest at some point. At some point, yeah. Uh, I hope Rachel Notley's organizing. I'm just saying. Because I hope so. we need to talk about Alberta at some point because I, I don't know what the fuck is going on there. Anyway, (laughs) so, um, this is also a really big cabinet. We didn't talk about that at all. Yeah, they expanded the cabinet by, I don't know how many seats. I think uh, it went from 34 to 37 or 36. Okay. So um, the Minister of Indigenous Services, Mark Miller, Mm -hmm. is a longtime Trudeau friend. And that was a portfolio that JWR rejected before being ejected from Liberal Caucus. Now... Miller's friendship with Trudeau has come under scrutiny in the past with allegations of favoritism. Mm-hmm. The new minister also has ties to Trudeau's ignominious, bla- I love that word, ignominious, <laughs> blackface history, having been present at one of Trudeau's performances of that when they both attended Montreal's College oh, no. Jean de Brebeuf. Brebeuf. He has since expressed, well, fuck him. Um... He's like, I was 16, I didn't know. Wait, was this Trudeau or the new minister? They were both there, I don't know. No, but who expressed... um, Contrition? Contrition, yeah. Uh, This guy, Miller. Oh. Yeah. He says, I was 16 years old. If anything, I was guilty of silence, which I think a lot of us are. Uh, Silence is violence, so fuck you. Um, But this is a very privileged... this This is a cabinet of privilege. There's no doubt in my mind. And privilege through loyalty, and which I would say is more obedience by Trudeau, mm-hmm. by, by the Trudeau camp. Um, <coughs> I would say it's privileged in terms of the region, like Ontario the and balance, Quebec. Yeah. yeah. Um, the regional balance. Um, the people who seem to have... Like... It just seems to me that this is a Trudeau social club. That's what it looks like to me. 
I think a lot of there's been a big conversation around that. A lot of the people who are in cabinet are in some way, shape, or form connected to Trudeau personally. Mm-hmm. And there is almost um, a test of loyalty. And yeah. it's not choosing people because they... But it's also, I think, a symptom of... And I, I sound like so a So can we worker. stop talking about this meritocracy and people who are good for the job? Because this is not a meritocracy, no, Trudeau. It's not. I mean... <laughs> Did you hear that Freudian slip? Yeah. Um, this is not a meritocracy in Trudeau's cabinet. Like this is, this is who has been obedient the most. And again, we don't have the aspect of what's happening behind the scenes. We and don't. The, the, the conversations and are And I'm going to scene. guess that the staffers are going to be chosen that way too. Yeah. I don't think it's a very transparent process. No. In terms of selection of staffers. And no. I think we don't talk about that enough. Exactly. Because I think a lot of the work we see, the minister is the flashy diamond thing at the top. It's. Who's in that office? Who's, who's in the in office? Mino? Who's doing the, who's funneling what's getting to the minister? That's the other thing. Who's the gatekeeper? Because yeah. that's a huge issue. Whoever the gatekeeper is, is choosing in a lot of ways and selecting policy. Yeah. Um, but the, so because of the system that we, like the Canadian political system, we can't have activist ministers. So we can't have ministers who are like, you know what, this is the cause I'm going to rally for and I'm going to work really, really, really hard in this way to make this a thing. We have ministers who have letters and they're like, this is your thing. You have to follow this to the letter and like, this is your mandate and like, go Ooh, for it. When those mandate letters come out, I'm waiting. I'm very curious about I'm the waiting to see what they're actually. going to say. This is the other thing. I'm waiting to see what they're going to say about mm-hmm. this middle class prosperity. And the other thing that I wanted to put in here before we move on to our next topic is we have a minister, a separate minister for disability. We have a separate minister for women and gender. And we have a separate minister for diversity and inclusion. And I don't understand why. And the thing about it is, what if, what if I'm black and disabled? What if I'm non, what if, you know, what if I'm like, I I just don't understand. Like this just belies the intersectionality that Trudeau spewed it during blackface. It just belies everything. I find it sometimes a little bit frustrating that um, we have a standalone ministry for seniors. Yeah. But we have decided that diversity, inclusion, whatever those... I would really like to see the definitions of those two words. Oh, we're waiting for those mandate letters. And youth are all in one portfolio. Yeah. But we're not giving... So we're deciding that diversity, inclusion, and youth... Things that are very different, in my opinion, like you're looking at very different things, that that has the same weight as a single mandate for seniors. I find it interesting that Trudeau was the minister of youth. Yeah. And that that has somehow, that's been devolved. Like there's a devolution there. Mm -hmm. And it's just been lumped in with, it just, I'm, I'm curious about that. I'm really curious about that. Another combination that I'm very curious how that's going to work is the minister. So Minister Monsef's portfolio, women, gender equality and rural economic development. I just I don't understand how those connection is very. Why would you why would you take rural develop economic development out of an economic development portfolio? Yeah, like there are or put it put it like it's like Jolie and no Jolie in the middle class thing. 
well, we don't even know what the... No, Jury is oh, economic sorry. development and official languages. is what I'm saying. Sorry. Again, a weird uh, combination. I mean, a weird combination. There's a lot of odd, like, there's a lot of combinations that don't make sense together, and I don't understand why. I, I genuinely, like, would... I'm, I'm very curious about those. M- and the thing is, so you know how we have Chagger that... Minister Chagger has diversity, inclusion, and youth. But then Qualtro, Minister Qualtro has employment, workforce development, and disability inclusion. Yeah. Like, it's just, it feels like they're... Grasping? Yeah, but it... Without any strategic foresight? It doesn't feel, from this angle, it just doesn't make sense. Like, the pieces aren't aligning. Yeah. Like, you could have put... This is a fucking... Disability inclusion with whatever diversity and inclusion why there's two inclusion perform like it just it doesn't make sense and how are they going to work together exactly what are like how i don't know i also think if you're going to have seniors as a standalone ministry you need to have a ministry of youth as a standalone i'm sorry if if you consider that you are when you're working for seniors you're planning for the future you need to consider that youth as an important portfolio I hate when people think that youth is a junior portfolio and it doesn't have any shape, rhyme, or reason. No, youth is an important portfolio. And if you don't invest in it, it is going to be at your detriment. All right. So that is our episode for this week. Um, You can find us on social. Uh, If you guys have anything to add to what we say that's not like hate, um, (laughs) you know, tweet at, tweet us. Don't forget to retweet us and or email us. Bye. Bye.